Now the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 1 Kings chapter number 21. The book of 1 Kings chapter number 21. We will begin the first verse, read down and include verse number 16 this morning. 1 Kings, let's go there. 1 Kings chapter number 21. And we will begin reading. With verse number 1. The Bible says that it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house, and for it, will give, and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased, because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so solemn that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite. I said to him, Give me your vineyard for money. Or else if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Can you just hear him? I think I've sounded like that before. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letter to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. And she wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people. And seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. And then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of his city, the elders and nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast, and they seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones, so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Look at verse number 3 this morning for our text. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. 
This morning I'm using for my subject, not for sale. For sale. Father, we just pray again today that your anointing will empower us today, Lord, to be transformed today, Lord, into the very oracle, the very mouthpiece, spokesperson of God today. And Father, give us ears to hear the word of God today, and may we rise to the challenge today. May we draw the line in the sand, dear God, and make up our mind. Father, anoint us and help us today, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated again this morning. Well, it has been said that every man has his price. That every man can be bought if the price is right. Well, the sad fact is too many people today are selling out. And this is absolutely nothing new. Adam sold out and, and his offspring has been selling out ever since. I want us to take a look this morning at four men in the Bible who sold out. And then we're going to look at this man named Naboth that we read about a moment ago. This man was not for sale. Let me suggest, first of all, this morning about Esau. Esau sold out for the practical. Esau sold out for the practical. You can can read about him in Genesis chapter number 25. We don't have time to read it this morning, but that's his story. We understand that Esau and Jacob were twins, and yet they were polar opposites. Esau was a man's man. He was big, and he was burly, and he was brave. He loved to be outdoors. He could live in the wild. Jacob, on the other hand, was a little more domesticated, a a mama's boy, a little bit delicate, Jacob was also a deceiver. Even his name depicted his character or lack thereof. You know the story one day. Esau comes in from an extended hunting trip and he smells some wolf brand chili that his brother has cooking on the open fire. And Jacob says to his brother Esau, How long has it been since you had a great big steaming bowl of wolf brand chili? Uh, that's too long. I just dated myself. Amen. How many remember that commercial? Amen. Esau says to Jacob, give me some of your chili. Jacob says, I'll sell you a bowl. All I want is your birthright. Now that's like saying, I'll sell you a hamburger for a million dollars. I've got two brothers. One brother I have is one year older than me. In fact, for 12 days out of the year, we're the same age. You talk about sibling rivalry. It was alive and well in our house. My older brother was tougher. I was better looking. (laughs) Not a day went by that we didn't have a fuss or a fight, and usually it ended up with a fist fight, and I usually lost. We had a lot of sibling rivalry going on. And we would just love it when one of us had something that the other one didn't have. Maybe we had a a candy bar or an ice cream bar or or a sucker or something. And we had it and our other brother didn't have it. And we'd say, hey, look what I got. You want some of it? And oh, the other one would look with eyes bugged out and begin to salivate just thinking about how good it would be. And we'd say, yeah. And we'd say, can't have any. Sibling rivalry, alive and well 
at the house. Esau comes in and he smells, oh, the whoop ran chili cooking on the, on the open fire. And, oh, J- Jacob says, you want some? <laughs> it's going to cost you. I'll sell it for your birthright. Now Esau's birthright was his inheritance. He, he was the firstborn. Even though they were twins, Esau came out first. And so as the firstborn son, uh, he, was, uh, he would get a double portion uh, of the inheritance. He would also take over as head of the family. And there was also a special blessing that he would receive when his father would lay his hands upon him and bless him. This was a spiritual as well as a monetary blessing. Esau says to Jacob, give me some of your chili. Uh, Jacob says, I'll trade you a bowl of chili for your birthright. Let me tell you, Esau should have just punched out that little conniving pansy and helped himself to the chili. But Esau wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. He said, I'm starving to death. And what good is my birthright to me if I'm dead? And so Esau sold out for the practical. Oh, he reasoned in his mind, I'm going to die if I don't get this chili. This chili is available. I might as well make the trade. He was so blinded by his immediate desire that he couldn't make a good decision. Hear me this morning, friends. Satan is a master at taking advantage of those that are down. He is an expert opportunist. Listen up this morning. Hear me this morning. There are two times in life when we need to be very, very, very careful. And they are times of extreme highs and times of extreme lows. Let me admonish you this morning. Never make a major decision when your emotions are either a, a high or low. And Esau's emotions were both high and low at the same time. You say, how could that be? Well, he had just come from a hunting trip and, oh, he loved to hunt. And, oh, his adrenaline was in overdrive from the excitement of oh, the adventure of the hunt. On the other hand, and at the very same time, he was very, very hungry and very, very tired. Perhaps he had even gone a few days without eating and maybe a few days without sleep. He feels like he's going to die if he doesn't eat. Oh, what good is the birthright to me, he thinks, if I'm dead. And so he sells out for the practical. And friend, how many times does does Satan dangle the practical in front of us? Oh, God calls us to do a certain thing and we get all excited about it. We're ready to go do it no matter what the cost. Then all of a sudden, here comes the devil along and he offers us some wolf brand chili. What about this, he says? What about that, he says? What about something else? Let me tell you that every single time God has called me out of my comfort zone, whether it to be a leaving a thriving church with all of the security that goes with it. Go plant a church in a city that I'd never even been in before without any money, without any people, without any prospects. 
or whether it was to give all of my life savings to a missionary or all of my life savings to a to build a church. But every single time God has called upon me to get out of my comfort zone, every time God has called me to do what I had never done up until that point in my life, every single time the devil shows up and reveals to me the practical side of why I should not do what I felt God calling me to do. What about your wife, he would say. What about your kids, he would say. What what are you going to do for money, he would say. Oh, he would say, take a look at where you are. Take a look at all that you have. Are you sure you're willing to give all of this up? Esau sold out for the practical. He sold out for instant gratification. Let me share with you another man who sold out. A man by the name of Judas. He sold out for possessions. For possessions, his story is found in Matthew 26. Judas, one of the original 12 disciples. Judas, the only one out of the 12 given an official position. He was treasurer. Uh, He carried the ministry's money. He was an eyewitness to the miraculous ministry of Jesus. He was there after Jesus would do the miraculous and after Jesus would give profound teaching and after that the multitude went away, he was there with the other 11 disciples and there he was able to hear from Jesus the detail of what Jesus had given the crowd in general. And yet when push come to shove, Judas sold out for possessions 30 pieces of silver to be exact. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Oh, oh, perhaps he was tired of seeing Jesus giving away all of the money. He carried the money. He had the money back. And maybe he was tired of Jesus giving all the money away. Perhaps he thought, I followed this man for three years and, and I have absolutely nothing to show for it. Perhaps he thought, I deserve this money for all that I did for this man. Friend, I cannot tell you how many ministers have left the ministry for financial reasons. I remember when I was first in ministry, in my early ministry, I remember a large group of young ministers left the ministry at the very same time to develop a multi-level pyramid type of business. And I was invited to their meeting. And I went to their meeting. Thank God I didn't participate To the best of my knowledge, every one of them are out of the ministry. They sold out for possessions. I've known preachers who wouldn't walk away from their secure jobs and their secular career to take a full-time ministry position because they were not willing to make the financial sacrifice. They sold out for possessions. And how many people in church turn a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit when he calls them to full-time ministry or, or when he asks of them some financial sacrifice for the work of God, they sell out for possessions. Another man who sold out was a man the Bible calls the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, he sold out for, for position. His story can be found in Luke chapter 18. The Bible says that a rich, young ruler came to Jesus and asked him what he must do that he might inherit eternal life. And Jesus told him that he needed to keep all of the commandments. And he said, I've already been doing that. And Jesus said, then sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow after me. But this rich, young ruler wasn't willing to pay such a high price. He sold out for position. 
He was not willing to humble himself. He was a ruler. He was a person in authority. Oh, when he said jump, everybody said how high. Oh, he would say to one go and he would go and he would say to another come and he would come. Give all of that up to be a servant? I mean, he has the company credit card. I mean, he drives a, a company chariot. Oh, oh, there were bonuses and benefits and banquets in his honor. Ah, he sold out for position. And friend, I ask you today, what will you do? What will you do when you are offered a certain position? Oh, it comes with perks and it comes with promises and it comes with pleasantries. But it also comes with a little perversion. You must be willing to alter some numbers. You must be willing to lie on forms. You must be willing to be deceptive to employees and customers. Are you for sale? Will you sell out? Another man in Scripture that sold out is a man by the name of Demas. And he sold out for pleasure. You can read about him in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes about Demas. And in verse 10, oh, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. And then he gives the reason. He said, because he loved this present world. Demas sold out for pleasure. He was a co-worker of the Apostle Paul. Oh, because he would walk with Paul, because he had ministered with Paul, he had suffered prison, he had suffered hardship and rejection. There were times when he was cold, there were times when he was naked, there were times when he was hungry and he was tired of it. He had had enough. He's going to try another way. Oh, a little R&R, a little wine, women and song perhaps. He's going to taste a little of what the world had to offer just to see what he had been missing. The world pulled on his soul like a very strong magnet. Oh, oh, Demas has forsaken me, Paul writes, with a, with a little tear trickling down his cheek. Oh, having loved this present world. And oh, my friend, how many do we know that once tasted the sweet bread of heaven? Oh, how many do we know that once we're in the kingdom, oh, oh, they walked faithfully with the Lord. Oh, many of them were active in ministry. But where are they today? Where are they today? Oh, they are like the prodigal in Luke 15. They have left the Father's house. Oh, they have gone off into a far country. They are living a wicked and sinful and vile life. Oh, having loved this present world, they sold out. For pleasure. You might be thinking this morning, Pastor, this is kind of negative. This is a little depressing this morning, Pastor. Don't you have a positive word for us today? Thanks for asking. Yes, I do this morning. Oh, hear me this, hear me this morning, friends. Oh, oh, not every man has his price. Not every man is for sale. God has a host of men who won't sell out at any price. J.R. Tucker was such a man. God called him to Zaire as a missionary. And when he was, when he got there, he was told, Whatever you do, do not go into the most northern parts of Zaire because if you do, 
the natives will kill you and you will not come back alive. J.R. Tucker said, I read nowhere in the Great Commission about coming back. It only says go. And J.R. Tucker took the gospel into the most northern parts of Zaire. He was bludgeoned to death and his body fed to the alligators. But J.R. Tucker would not sell out for a lesser Naboth, the man in our text in 1 Kings 21, he was not for sale. No, no, not for any price. Here's a synopsis of the story. Naboth owned a vineyard. It just happened that his vineyard was located adjacent to King Ahab's palace. And Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. If you just read it, and on the surface it seems like he offered Naboth a fair price. He would give him fair market value for his vineyard. Or he would trade him another vineyard of greater value. On the surface it seems fair. But Naboth refused to sell. Not to the king, not to anyone. Why was Naboth so adamantly opposed to selling his vineyard, especially when the king seemingly offered him a fair price, even offered him a better piece of property for it? Why was he so adamant against selling his property? Let me give you two reasons this morning. Number one was because of the principle. He wouldn't sell because of the principle. You see, this was family land. Family land. We don't understand it today. We don't understand it today. We're not dedicated or committed to anything today. We don't understand it. It was a different day back then. This was family land. His father had it before him and before his father. His grandfather had it. Before his grandfather had it, his great-grandfather. And before that, his great-great-grandfather. In those days, you just did not sell the family land. In fact, the selling of ancestral property was strictly forbidden by the law of Moses. And Ahab knew it. The only time in those days that you would sell family land was when if you were, it was just a last resort. If there was no other way. And even then the land would return to you in the year of Jubilee, which was every seven years when all debts were off property restored. Ahab knew the law, but he chose to ignore it. This was greed in overdrive. Friend, Satan, like Ahab, always has a deal for us. You talk about let's make a deal. He's always got a deal. He's always got a deal. Oh, God gives us something, but but, but the devil offers us something of greater value for, for God's gift. At least he says, he says it's a better deal. You see, the devil always appeals to our flesh. It always sounds good on the surface, but its result is never good. Naboth was a man of principle. He was a man of character. He knew what was right, and he wouldn't do wrong even if it cost him his life, and it did. Verse 3, but Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid 
the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my Father to you. Friend, do we have any principles that we live by? Are there any principles that we are willing to die for? Is there a line that we just will not cross, not for anyone, not for any reason, not for anything? I'm giving you two reasons why Naboth was not for sale. Number one, because of the principle. Number two, because of the perpetual. Because of the perpetual. This land had been in his family for generations and it was intended to stay in his family for future generations. Oh, this land was meant to be a perpetual blessing to Naboth's family. See, it wasn't all about Naboth. Wow, that's not an American thing, is it? It wasn't just about Naboth. It wasn't just about the here and the now. But it was about his children. It was about his grandchildren. It was about his great-grandchildren. It was about his great-great-great-great-grandchildren. He understood that his decision would affect not only his life, but many, many lives, even those that haven't even been born yet. The wisdom writer writes in Proverbs 13 and 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Let me ask you today, are you leaving your family a perpetual blessing? Are you leaving your family a perpetual blessing? Let me ask you this this morning, are you setting up your family for success or for failure? You see, the decisions that you are making right now, all the decision that you make, whether to sell out or don't sell out, all the teaching and the training and the nurturing, all that you are giving your children by the way that you live your life, oh, is either setting them up for success or it is setting them up for failure. Oh, I know that we all have our own choices to make. I know that when the bottom, when it gets down to the bottom line, It's up to us to make the right choices for our own lives. I know we all have our own choices to make. I know our own kids and our grandkids have their own choices to make. But friend, we usually make our choices based upon the choices that we have watched others make. And especially those closest to us. Oh, Naboth wouldn't shell out because of the perpetual blessing. All the land would provide for those who would come after him. Let me ask you this morning, are you setting up your life? And are you basing your decisions today so that you might have a perpetual blessing for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren? Are you setting them up for success or are you setting them up to fail? The worship team would get back in place this morning. We're going to... Go around third base and start heading for home. The title of my message today is Not for Sale. Not for Sale. Naboth was not for sale, not to anyone. Oh, not for any reason, not for any price. Are you for sale? Am I for sale? Let me close today with three of 300 things that we should not, that should not be for sale in our lives. Number one, this morning, our innocence, our innocence should not be for sale. Now, before marriage, our innocence is our virginity. 
Young people, let me just take a moment and admonish you to save yourself from marriage. You say, well, preacher, everybody does it today. No, everybody doesn't do it today. And number two, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean you have to. Let me tell you, young person, the most precious gift that you could ever give to your life partner is your virginity. To give to your partner for life your innocence. Now, I understand that a great percentage of young people today give away their virginity. And they give it away to somebody they're not even going to be, that's not even going to be in their life in six months. For most, not even in six weeks. For some, six days. And some, six hours after the act, they have nothing to do with them. By actual survey, the majority of sexually active teenagers surveyed said they wished they had saved themselves for marriage. So let me encourage you, young person today. Make a covenant with yourself and with God. Protect your innocence. All declare, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. Now, after marriage, our innocence is our vows. In a certain, to a certain sense, married, as married, we are still innocent. Because we're under the covenant of marriage. We're inside the bonds of of, of God's law. So after marriage, our innocence is our vows. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. To you and only you. Do I give myself till death do us part? Protect these vows. Stay true to these vows. They are not for sale. Number two this morning, our integrity is not for sale. Proverbs 22 and 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Oh, oh, our integrity will be tested in many ways. Oh, will we cheat on our taxes? Well, I mishandle it anyway. Okay, so two wrongs make a right. Will we lie our way out of trouble? Will we doctor the numbers? Will we manipulate the system? We better draw the line in the sand. My integrity is not for sale, not at any price. And number three this morning, our individuality. Our individuality is not for sale. God made each one unique. We're told that not, not, no one has the same fingerprints. That there are six billion people on planet earth. And every single one has a different set of fingerprints. Here's what is so, so very, very sad. And that is that every single person born comes into this world an original. But most die a carbon copy. You see, we will be pulled in a a dozen different directions. 
I can't tell you how many directions that I get pulled on. I'll never forget a time when I was in Midland, Texas and somebody cornered me and said, Pastor, if you'll do this, 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 and this, more people will come to our church. And they walked away. Someone walked up right behind them and said, I heard what they told you. And if you do this, 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 and this, I'm out of here. A wise old pastor said once, said, Pastors, the very same thing that a lot of people will leave your church for, that very same thing will cause other people to come for. The very reason why somebody will leave this church is the very reason why others will come for. What are you saying? We've got to decide who we are. We've got to decide who God wants us to be. We're not anybody else. Amen? And we will be pressured to conform to the crowd, fit into a certain mold, fold up neatly into a nice little box. I can't tell you how many times I've been tempted to tone down my messages just a little bit. Be a little bit more politically correct. Join the, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay bunch. But no thank you. I'm not for sale. I will not compromise, nor will I water down the word. Hopefully I will preach the truth in love. And I pray every day for God to make me more loving. And more kind and more gentle. <laughs> I had a man tell me one time years ago, after I'd been there a while, he said, You're a great preacher, and lately you've been preaching with love. <laughs> and he was right. Because when I got there, I was mad. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> another story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will not be like one pastor of a mega church that says, when you come to my church, I will always give you the good news. I have a problem. I've read the book. <laughs> not his book, but this book. <laughs> I've got a problem. I've read the book. And yes, my friend, oh, it does contain a lot of good news. And if you'll come around here quite often, you'll hear a lot of wonderful good news, a wonderful encouraging, oh, life-building truths from the Word of God. But oh, and I'll gladly preach it. But listen, I've read the whole book, and it ain't all good. There's some bad news in here, too. Whether you like me or don't like me. And I hope you do, because I like to be liked just like everybody else. But one day I'm going to stand before God. He ain't going to say, did they like you? He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You stay true to yourself. You stay true to the word. 
You didn't bend. You didn't bow. I've always sought to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth for the past 37 years. It's served me pretty well. I think I'm just going to stick with it. And I've endeavored to be myself and not a carbon copy of some other preacher. And I made a decision years ago not to follow the fads that come along. Because this preacher is not for sale. How is it, my friend, in your life? Have you sold out? Have you sold out? Have you been like one of the four we talked about earlier? They sold out for whatever reason. Or are you like Naboth? You've drawn the line in the sand. You say, I won't cross this line. This is as far as I'm going. I cannot be bought. I'll not sell out. Not to anyone for any reason, for any price. I'm simply not for sale. Father, we thank you for the word of God today that has been delivered Lord, under the anointing of the Spirit of God. Father, we just ask today, oh God, that you'll help us today to make that commitment, to make that consecration, to make that dedication that we'll not sell out, not for any price, not for any reason, not to anyone. We are simply not for sale. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. Nobody's looking about. Nobody's leaving unless you have a child that is disturbing. And we ask that you do then for the benefit of all.